All right, so this morning we're continuing our series called Crazy Love. And last week, Pastor Trey challenged us that uh, the way that we show our love to God is by obeying him, that that is God's love language. And so we're going to go a little bit deeper today and talk about what it means to be all in. Uh, what does it mean to be all in? And I was thinking about who is the best example that I can quickly think of that uh, is all in. I'd have to say it's this guy here. Who is? Jason Kelsey. This guy hasn't just started his career. He's been in his career for a long time. And every game, he gives a thousand percent. He leaves everything on the field. His big butt is sticking up there on a tackle. He's often far away from the line because he's already pulled to go run towards a block. And he always has hunger for more. Uh, compare that to this guy. Rated the 10 worst moments of Philadelphia Eagles history in Ricky Waters' first game, right? He was an amazing football player, a running back. When he moved from San Francisco to Philly, uh, do you remember what happened? I think he had two fumbles in that game, at least one. But he ran across the middle, and he kind of got the alligator arms where he pulled back. And instead of going all in, he knew he was going to be hit by safety, and he pulled back. And that's why I don't have a picture to show you his reception. It just never happened. It never happened. Uh, this morning, I want this to be an opportunity for you and God to have a reset. And so I'm going to ask you three questions to reflect on. And I don't want you to think about the person that you're sitting next to and nudging them on some of these points. I want you to zero in on yourself and your own heart. Um, and then I'm going to share an example of someone who lived this out that made a significant difference. And at the very end, as we share in the last song together, you'll have a chance to take communion. So that's kind of the roadmap of where we're headed today. So my first question is, who are you representing? This past month, who have you been intentionally representing in your life? And in this verse we read, Paul says, For I have told you before, and say it with tears in my eyes, that there are many, there are many whose conduct shows they are really enemies of the cross of Christ. They are headed for destruction. Their God is their appetite. They brag about shameful things, and they think about only this life on earth. But we are citizens of heaven, where the Lord Jesus Christ lives, and we are eagerly waiting for him to return as our Savior. I brought this with me. Can anyone tell me what it is? It's a passport. Yeah, so anywhere in the world I go, it gives me access and uh, this is actually my wife's passport, so I couldn't find mine. Uh, isn't she beautiful? Yes, she is. She's going to kill me afterwards for doing that. Um, do you know what this verse says? Paul says that more than anything, my citizenship of heaven, I have dual citizenship in heaven and on earth. And my heavenly citizenship actually stands above my nationality. It stands above my career. It stands above my gender. It stands above my race. It's that significant that I am a citizen of heaven if I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. But hold on to your seats because there's more. <clears throat> and all this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors as though God were making his appeal through us, be reconciled to God. 
And that word reconciled is, is used a number of times. And it basically just means to be made right. Our relationship with God has been made right when we put our faith and trust in what Jesus did in paying for our sin on the cross. Another way to explain that is that our relationship with Christ has been restored. Here's here's a definition of an ambassador. It's an important official who lives in a foreign country and represents their own interests. I don't know about you, but I feel honored that God would actually entrust me with something so precious that could change someone's eternity forever. And he's calling me his ambassador. And I hope if you're a follower of Christ, that that encourages you too, that you have been entrusted with something so huge. God has chosen you and he's chosen me as Christ followers to be his representative on earth. So we are on an official official mission to invite everyone to experience God's best, to invite everyone to experiencing the transforming power of God's love and forgiveness. Doesn't it seem that we live in a time when everyone is about promoting their brand or developing their platform? I can't remember a time when people seem so focused on they want to be the main influencer. And you realize it's tied to making a living. It's tied to making money. But Christ is calling you to place your identity as a citizen of heaven far above your own brand. Will you take a step back and promote his brand over your brand? How have you been doing with that lately? So I want you to think about a growth area right now. What's an area of growth where you feel you would love to represent Christ more in your life? Could be in your workplace. Could be in your home. Uh, For me, all honesty, one of the places where I want to represent my King Jesus better is in the car. I'm just going to say it this way. I'm glad that when we were selling Bethel stickers, I never bought one and stuck it on the back of my car. Because <laughs> there have been times I was like, oh, I'm glad I didn't have a sticker on the back of my car. But that's an area that I, I want to represent Jesus better in. What is that area for you? The second key question I want to ask you today is, what drives you? What drives you? And today is Palm Sunday. Today is the day that we call Palm Sunday because Jesus walked, or didn't walk, he he rode into Jerusalem on a young donkey. And what happened is all these people from all over gathered in Jerusalem because the Passover feast was going to happen during that week. So all these people had flooded in. And Jesus is approaching Jerusalem on a donkey, and these crowds gather together. They see him as this coming king to liberate them from the oppressive Roman occupation. And they are excited, and they cheer him on. And a spontaneous parade breaks out. They cut down palm branches. They put it on the ground in front of him. They take their cloaks off and put it on the ground like a, like a royal carpet. They take the palm branches that they cut off, and they're waving them in the air. And uh, they're just really excited. And here's some of the things that they're saying. And has anyone ever been on a movie set before? Have you ever been an extra? What movie? 
Ted? All right. <laughs> Extra for Ted. All right. So wait, did you have a good time? All right. So we're going to try this today. And please humor me. Otherwise, I feel very embarrassed if this fails, like really, really bad. So um, I really need your help. We're going to try and pretend that this is a movie set. We're going to pretend that you're not going to see him, but we're going to pretend that Jesus is actually walking. He's hopped on, on, on this donkey and he's riding down, riding down th- through here. And we're going to have different sections. So this section over here, you're going to be saying Hosanna multiple times. You get, and remember, when you do this, you eventually will have to stand up too because you can't be in a parade just sitting on your butt. This section over here is Hosanna. These two sections here are going to say, blessed is the king of Israel. And because the stadium seating is the gifted seating area, you're going to say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Y'all got it? So I want enthusiasm as your movie director. I want energy in this room because right now you're flat, people. You're flat. You're getting paid big bucks for this. All right, so I'm going to say three, two, one, action. You're going to stand up. And for about 20 seconds, you're going to be shouting out this phrase as loud as you can. Three, two, one, action. Keep standing. You're doing excellent. (laughs) They were shouting, Hosanna. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the king of Israel. Five days later, many in the same crowd were were shouting what? 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 Why were they shouting? Sit down. That's exactly right. Some of the people in the same crowd that have been shouting praises to God were turning around five days later and shouting, crucify him, crucify him. See, motivation is why I do what I do. It's the why behind my action. And it's possible for me to do a right action that outwardly looks so great, but with the wrong motivation. While our outward actions are clearly visible, often our motivations, our internal motivation is invisible. So it's possible to have the right action with the wrong motivation. It's not only powerless, it's hypocrisy because there is an integrity. Our actions aren't matching up with a pure motive. But it's possible to have the right action and the right motivation. And when that happens, it's powerful. It's transforming. It's life transforming. So what should our motivation be? Paul says in 2 Corinthians, For Christ's love compels us, and he died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died and was raised again. If I'm going to be perfectly honest with you, and I've shared this really in my talk back in August, uh, for too long, I was driven by wanting to please others. My motivation was what other people thought of me. Often my motivation was to deal with fears that I was dealing with in my heart. And I was reacting out of fear. So you'd see a a good action, but the motivation was self-protection or to deal with my fear. Um, But if I'm going to be motivated by Christ's love, I have to reject being self-focused. And this is a struggle, isn't it? Selfishness is so hard. I didn't think it was a selfish person until I got married. And I realized I'm pretty selfish. And then I thought, wow, I'm learning how to deal with this. And then we had a baby. 
And I thought, wow, I'm really selfish. And then we had a second child. And each time it opened up my eyes about how self-focused I can be. So what's the answer? I think it's tied in with this next question and our final question for today. Have you surrendered your own way? Have you surrendered your own way? I'm just curious, are there any control freaks in the house? (laughs) Proudly so. I'm proud of you guys. Thanks for raising your hand with me. I can identify. This is what Jesus said. He said to the crowd, if any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way. Take up your own cross once in a while and follow. No, it doesn't say that. It says, if any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way. Take up your cross daily and follow me. If you try and hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. And really, being all in with Jesus isn't about trying harder. You can try and you can try and you can try, and it will lead to exhaustion and it will lead to failure. It's really about choosing to step off of my throne in my life. It's about surrendering my will to cooperate with what the Holy Spirit wants to do in my heart that he wants to come alongside of me to transform me into the person that God wants me to be, but I need to be willing to cooperate with the process. And that's where I experience true freedom and empowerment to love like Jesus loves. So what? So what? What difference does this make anyway? It's another Sunday in church, hearing more stuff about the Bible. What difference does it really make? You know, it's tempting to play it safe and avoid the hits that you'll take from being all in. Because if you go all in with Jesus, you will take some hits. They will come. When I was trying to think of someone who is all in for Jesus, that person was my mom. She lived a life of long obedience for God. She was all in for Jesus. And she passed a month ago. She had such a huge impact on my life and on the life of my family and literally of thousands of other people throughout her lifetime. And I want to share some of the life hits that mom took because mom didn't really have an easy life. Um, She experienced racism as a child and a teenager because her parents were Italian immigrants. As an adult, she almost died of blood poisoning. She was bitten by a spider when we were in Africa. She had two house fires. In the second fire, everything we owned was destroyed. The only thing we had was what we were wearing. Mom experienced intense civil unrest in Zimbabwe, and two of her co-workers were murdered. She lived in South Africa, serving others during the scourge of apartheid. 
About 20 years ago, she had two-thirds of one lung removed because of lung cancer. She had a tumor removed from her pituitary gland. She had a daughter with special needs who is 60 years old now, who has had special needs all throughout her life. Five years ago, mom lost the love of her life, my dad. Mom was not a perfect person, but she's a powerful example of an ordinary person, a citizen of heaven who was an ambassador for her king. She was motivated by love to represent him well, and she lived her life all in. And I think, what would have happened if mom hadn't have lived that way? We have three kids, three amazing kids that we're so blessed with, far better than we deserve. And our middle child is a son. And we went through a very challenging time when Jonathan was about a, a sophomore in high school, sophomore and junior high school, really difficult time in our relationship as a, a, between Anne and I and him. It was just really, really hard. And it got to the point where we didn't know what else to do. Uh, we felt we've done all that we knew how to do, and we, we felt a sense of desperation. And so we just started to tell some trusted friends, we need you to pray. We need you to pray that God would do a work in our heart and the life of our son, Jono. We need you to just pray for us. And I want to show you the difference being all in in someone's life makes because God used my mom along with many other people to reach into the heart of my son. And so I want to play a short clip that he shared in my mom's service uh, recently, just two weeks ago. Good morning. When I think of Grandma, I can't help but think of the word faithful. Although she was always faithful to her husband, and she was a faithful mother to her children, a faithful friend to all, and a faithful servant of the Lord. These are actually not the reasons why the word faithful comes to mind, but because of how often she used the phrase that the Lord is faithful. If you had a conversation with her at any point, you have probably heard her say that the Lord is faithful, and she would usually say it with her deep passion, her gripping, her fist, and you can tell that she felt it to her bones, which is pretty impressive, counting the amount of times that she said this phrase, that she truly meant it every single time. The Lord is faithful. This phrase may be a little bit confusing sometimes, because as Christians we think, aren't we the ones that are supposed to have the faith in God? That is true, but God is always faithful to all of us. He is faithful in who he says he is. He does what he says he'll do. He will never turn away. He will never leave your side. He is always with you. His arms are always open. His love is always enough. His grace is always sufficient. His peace is always available. His joy is always present. His hope is always good. And he's always available for us. And I think this is what Grandma meant when she said that the Lord is always faithful. 
I just want to read a verse that reminds me of Grandma, as I was reading not too long ago, my devotions, Lamentations 3, 22-24. says, His steadfast love the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I will hope in Him. If you're not familiar with Lamentations, this is a time uh, in Israelite's history when they're being overthrown by the Empire of Babylon. And it was a pretty terrible time, uh, probably the very lowest time that they have ever gone through, full of the disease, war, famine. Um, there's a lot of pretty graphic verses in that book if you ever want to take a, take a look. But I love that Jeremiah keeps his focus on the Lord throughout this verse. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. Great is thy faithfulness. So despite outside circumstances, Jeremiah focused on the Lord, and I think this is what Grandma did her entire life. No matter what was going on around her, or outside circumstances, her faith was always in the Lord. She continued to keep her eyes on Him. And I always thought Grandma just kind of did this because she was born with this crazy, unique quality to just always be like that, just to always be this person full of joy and positivity and faith in the Lord. But as we were cleaning out her apartment, we realized that this was an intentional part of her life that she pursued. There was Bible verses in every single corner of her house, just when you thought you were done. There's more taped to the inside of her cabinets, in her filing drawers, on her dresser, wherever you look, there's Bible verses written out by a hand in her cursive writing that you couldn't read. <laughs> But she allowed the Lord to be her God and not the things of this world. She knew God's faithfulness because she took time to learn who God was to her. She didn't just know of God, but she knew who God was. She truly knew him. And that is why she was able to rest fully in God's faithfulness. Five years ago, about five years ago, we were here for grandpa's. And he said in his last week, John, I don't want the funeral to be about me. I want it to be about God. And I know that Grandma would want the same thing. So this is why I'm sharing what I'm sharing. She has given us one of the greatest gifts to our family by the example that she lived, and the greatest gift to others that were surrounded by living the way that she lived. And for her sake, I challenge you to shift the focus like Grandma did. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Discover the faithfulness of the Lord that Grandma spent her life so long telling others about. It really does matter if you go all in with Jesus or if you don't. For the sake of those you love, please don't play it safe. We are only five days away from Good Friday, the day that Jesus went all in for you. He stepped in and he took the hits for you. You can take your communion cup out at this time, but I don't want you to take it yet. I don't want you to, to start drinking it or eating it yet. I'm going to lead you in that. I'm going to invite the worship team to come up, and they're going to get ready to close us with a song. And what I want you to do is, when you're ready, when you feel that you've talked to God, when you've talked to him about whether you're in or not, when you're ready, then, then take it on your own time. On the night that Jesus was betrayed, he took bread. And after giving thanks, he broke it and he said, Take, eat. This is my body, which is broken for you. And then he took the cup and said, This is the cup of the new covenant in my blood. 
Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me.